We begin today's podcast with a quote by the philosopher Tom Herman. I thought taunting before you crossed the goal line negated a score. I've got to brush up on my rules and get some questions answered. Well, sure hope Tom doesn't listen to this podcast because this one is all about throwing the horns down. This is the Bed Goods Big 12 Bullets Game of the Week. You take those longhorns, those fingers pointed to the sky, you turn them down, and it becomes, in Tom Herman's eyes, and Sam Ellinger's eyes, the most offensive hand signal you could ever give. And West Virginia in 2018, they gave it a bunch of times in this game. We are talking West Virginia 42, Texas 41 in 2018. What a game this was, and what a guest we have. We've had players that played in games. We've had coaches that played in games. We've had reality stars. Today we have the West Virginia Mountaineer. Wow. Name one other podcast that has the courage, has the guts to talk to the West Virginia Mountaineer. I can't think of one. And this podcast is sponsored by Revtown Jeans. When I talk to the Mountaineer later in this podcast, he's going to tell you all about the uncomfortable clothes he had to wear as the Mountaineer. But in fact, he should have just worn some Revtown jeans because they are the most comfortable jeans on the planet. They fit so well. They're stretchy. They fit kind of like athletic wear. But in fact, they are jeans. So they're stylish and comfortable. And they are not buckskins. Trevor Keese, the West Virginia Mountaineer from 2018, we talk to him later, and he'll talk all about those buckskins that he used to wear. But until then, we're going to talk about this game. So West Virginia at this time, they had national championship hopes. They had lost to Iowa State, but that's the only loss they had. They were 7-1. and one. They had Will Greer. They had David Sills. They had they had Yadni Kajust. They had a lot of really good players, Gary Jennings. And this was probably the best West Virginia team that we've had in the Big 12. Dana Holgerson was still the coach. And there were huge expectations on this team. Well, they go in and they're playing Texas, who was ranked number 17. They were 6-2. and two, A good Texas team led by uh, younger Sam Ellinger. Um, and this was, this was always going to be a tough game. And so it, it was very tense. Um, a lot of, of penalties. West Virginia was penalized 14 times, including eight in the first quarter. David Sills scores on a 60-yard touchdown and immediately throws the horns down. And he gets penalized. And this was kind of where this whole thing begins or at least maybe a, a turning point when it comes to throwing a turning point when it comes to throwing the horns down Tom Herman gets very upset by it um, and as you heard from the beginning of this podcast he was he was upset by just the, the unprofessional behavior of the West Virginia Mountaineers in this game and so throwing the horns out by David Sills, that gets a penalty. The very next play actually on the extra point, Yannick just gets ejected for throwing a punch. So that's not a great thing for West Virginia. They end up going back and forth and back and forth with Texas. Lots of great plays. Um, not going to get into those because I want to get to the interview with the Mountaineer. Uh, but we'll watch the highlights of this game. Very, very great game. Lots of amazing offensive plays by both teams. But the play, there's actually two key plays, but the most impressive play was West Virginia is driving down the field, 
and with less than 20 seconds left, Will Greer has kind of a chaotic snap. He, he gets it off. He's not. It just kind of looks chaotic, and he's not even set, and he sees that his receiver is open, and he just lets it fly just lets it fly I mean it, the throw looks very uh, not fundamentally sound but it's a perfect throw uh, hits the receiver in stride and that makes it 41 to 40 and so West Virginia has a chance to tie it with an extra point but they had Dana Holgerson as their coach and normally the road team will go for two in a situation like this if they're the underdog West Virginia was not the underdog in this game uh, this was a risk, a huge risk, because if they don't get it and they lose, there go their national championship hopes. So this was not, um, you know, a guy with not much to lose. This was a guy with everything to lose on this play. I mean, Dana Holgerson rolled the dice on this. This was a very bold play. So the first play, uh, the first time they tried to, to get the uh, two-point conversion, they threw a slant to David Sills. He catches it. They get it. It's awesome. You know, they're really excited. Well, the problem is there was a timeout called by Texas right before the snap. So the play was ruled dead, even though they had kind of gone through the whole play. So then West Virginia has to go again. They line up exactly the same way, but Texas obviously covers David Sills this time. So Greer runs it. It kind of looks like a design draw play, actually, the way it happens. And Greer has a wide open spot to the corner of the end zone. He holds the ball out. He's celebrating before he gets to the end zone. Then he runs and he and like the entire West Virginia team are throwing the horns down in the face of the fans. They're walking up and down the sideline, horns down, horns down, horns down, horns down. Of course, they get a penalty. Um, the the double penalties in the first quarter after the Sills and the congest penalties, they had to kick off from the three after those. They didn't have to do that this time, but they did have to kick off a little further back. But Texas was not, was not able to make a play um, with about 16 seconds left. So they lose, West Virginia wins, and at this point, that kept their national championship hopes alive. Um, they would go on to lose to Oklahoma, but we're not going to get into, the, into that. The point is, at this time, Dana Holgerson literally gambled with their national championship hopes by going for two, and it paid off, and we got some horns down. The guest this week, Trevor Keese, who was the Mountaineer, he was at this game. He did not throw the horns down as far as I know because he wanted to be respectful. He was a respectful guy, but uh, I'm sure he's done it many times, just not in public. We we actually get into the cultural, um, I'm going to call it cultural appropriation of West Virginia fans throwing the horns down. They're appropriating Oklahoma culture by doing that, um, which of course is all just appropriating Texas culture by making fun of it. So um this is a really exciting interview. I am I'm serious when I say this is one of my favorite interviews because it's so different and we're not just talking football, we're talking uh buckskin buckskin care and other things like that. So here is my interview with the Mountaineer. And I have to say, uh, of all the people I've had on the podcast, this is the strangest introduction. I'm excited to have on the West Virginia Mountaineer, or at least in 2018, Trevor Keese. Trevor, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I Yeah, I appreciate it. I have so many questions. Uh, I'm really excited to ask you all of them. And uh, But before we get into the ins and outs of being the Mountaineer, and before we get into talking about this um, pretty amazing football game from 2018, What's your background? How did you end up going to West Virginia? And then uh, how did you get chosen to be the Mountaineer? Yeah, so I was born and raised right here in West Virginia. I was 
raised about an hour and a half south of Morgantown in a little town called Elkins. And growing up within the state of West Virginia, um, West Virginia University means the world to all of us. And so it was kind of a no-brainer for me on the high school. I'd always wanted to go to WVU. Um, so the decision there was, was extremely easy. And then also growing up in the state of West Virginia, uh, really also idolized the Mountaineer and the institution of the Mountaineer mascot and what all that meant for the entire state. The position of the Mountaineer is very unique compared to most other mascots. It really serves as not only a mascot for, for the university, but also an ambassador for the entire state of West Virginia. And that always really appealed to me. And so from a young age, I'd always dreamed of being the Mountaineer. And then going to college, I, I worked extremely hard to to make that dream a reality. It's a pretty competitive and strenuous process. And so that entailed countless hours of community service and different things. That all culminates ultimately in an application that you have to write five essays on different uh, prepared prompts on things from what does it mean you know to serve as a mountaineer mascot what does the mountaineer mean to the state of west virginia all the way up to testing perhaps your uh big 12 football knowledge and things along those lines and so that all goes into the application along with your work experience and your community service and then anybody in the entire university can apply male or female does not matter and then uh that application goes to a committee the committee selects the top 10 candidates and then the top 10 candidates are granted an interview, um, which is a pretty intimidating 30 minutes. It basically entails walking into a room with about 15 or 20 people just being grilled constantly with questions one after another, after another. Um, and then ultimately they cut to the final four and the final four contestants compete in what's called a cheer-off. So they get a set of buckskins, they get to carry a rifle, put on a coonskin cap, and that traditionally the second-to-last men's basketball game of the year in the spring. Um, they participate in that, and then the winner is announced at the last home basketball game of the year, and the term starts about a month after that um, in or around the first couple weeks of April. Oh, wow. So how long did you serve in that position? Is it a one-year thing? Yes, it's a one-year term, um, and actually I was fortunate enough to serve as the alternate Mountaineer the year before that, so I did have a little bit of experience in the Buckskins, and so that was a great experience to kind of get my feet wet, learn my style as a Mountaineer, and then hit the ground running uh, when I became the, the main Mountaineer, because there is, unlike other mascots, we do have a backup that will attend a, a mandatory event in the uh, circumstance that the main Mountaineer uh, can attend, but then we only have one Mountaineer. Yeah. So um, in the course of the one-year term, I did 402 events. I a lot of things outside of athletics and as well. Um, so it was, a, it was a great ride, and I look back on those days with a lot of fondness. That's uh, that's more than there are days in the, uh, in the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize you had the look? I mean, you know. If I showed up to try to be the mountaineer, I couldn't. I couldn't be the mountaineer because I don't look like a mountaineer. You know, it, when did you think? I guess, yeah, I guess it was just luck, more or less than anything, because <laughs> I had the passion and the drive to want to become the mountaineer. That just so happens I could grow a good beard, which is traditional of, of male winners, and uh, and so it just was a perfect marriage there. Are there kind of rules on appearance as far as the beard and stuff? Are they like, hey, you you can't shave that thing? There's not uh, kind of maybe unspoken rules. Okay. Nothing, okay. Nothing written down. Um, but yeah, so I, I I knew from a 
several years before that that I wanted to grow my beard out to, to do everything it took to kind of if I, if I were to be selected to be you know have have the look down and so um it all just kind of worked out great and uh ultimately I shaved it off the the day I my term ended <laughs> and we had a big beard shaving party uh here at my house with my family and friends and everyone who had helped me over the course of my term yeah it's a, a ceremonial beard shaving that's funny <laughs> I can tell yeah. you this so you are you are currently in law school is that what you said I am yeah so I just I'm in my second week of law school now oh. um yeah so so far so good but uh, well, we'll see how the next three years go yeah I can tell you that whatever job you get afterwards the interview process will be much less intense than what you went through for the Mountaineer so you can probably take yes, solace in that hopefully so <laughs> <laughs> what is uh so you mentioned this and there's there's one Mountaineer you don't have a a head on it's you you are the Mountaineer is that difficult? I mean, do people recognize you? Are you trying to go and live your life and people are like, hey, it's the Mountaineer? I mean, is that kind of hard because you can't really turn it off? It, it, it's a great responsibility is hmm. the way I would describe it. Um, so you're exactly right. People recognize me in the community. People recognize me across the state of West Virginia. People sometimes um, would recognize me outside of the state of West Virginia. It's such a, it's such a unique position. Uh, I can remember the day literally the next day after I'd been named the Mountaineer, I went to a local restaurant here and my family and I walked in and we're walking past the table and a little boy, I just happened to hear him ask his dad as I walked by, he goes, is that the Mountaineer? And so I was already past him to where you know, I acted like I didn't hear him. And I sat down at the table and we weren't sitting there five minutes till he came up and, and wanted to take a picture and, and things like that. And, and, you know, that's just one of, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of stories like that. And that's what makes it so special because ultimately at one point in time, I was that little boy who idolized whoever was the Mountaineer at that time. And so for me, it just came full circle and I, I loved every second of it. That's awesome. So you mentioned 402 events. Is that right? Right. Yes. Um, how many pairs of buckskins are there? So yeah, that's another great question. So, <laughs> Basically, when I was served as, as the ultimate mountaineer, I got one pair of buckskins. And then when I served as the main mountaineer, I got another set of buckskins. So I had two sets, uh, ultimately. And so I kind of kept the, the newer set. I tried to keep them as nice as long as I could and, and wore them for more inside events or events where um, might be a little bit more formal. And then my <laughs> older set of buckskins, I kept those for the football games, the places I'll be out being hot, being sweaty, um, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I wore the older set for those. And so that worked out pretty well until the older set started to get some holes and things in them. And then we had to go to the, the newer set full time. But that was well after football season. How does one wash buckskins? You don't. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I kind of equated to like a pair of uh, football pads. Okay. Uh, so I always just let mine air out. Um, there's not a lot of breathability in those things. They are incredibly hot. They look, they are just as hot as they look. Um, and some of the best advice I got when I became the Mountaineer, a former Mountaineer told me when it's hot, it's hot. And when it's cold, it's cold. <laughs> he was exactly right. And, uh, and so, yes, I just aired them out like like I would a set of football pads or, or something along those lines. And so fortunately for me, um, they never, mine never had an odor or anything like that. Now, I can't say that for all former Mountaineers. Um, sometimes if you were to be at an event and stick them in a duffel bag and leave them there over the weekend or something like that, um, they would definitely, definitely not smell good when you pull them out. 
are these uh were they i guess very authentic buckskins is there a specific place that makes them only for the mountaineer yes yep so they we are custom fit um so we you know once after we're named during that you know roughly a month um kind of lame duck period more or less we um we go get fitted uh they send them in uh and it takes about probably a month after we get our measurements we send it to to the person that makes them and then they send them back and um yeah so it's they're they're incredibly they're 100% authentic um you know different there's different iterations of a a, a mountaineer-esque person one being that comes to my mind because we played in my my season was tennessee they have a gentleman that dresses as davy crockett and his is kind of like more like a felt almost like a halloween costume type mm-hmm. thing but our buckskins are 100 percent real leather um and uh, authentically made so hmm. interesting well, I don't think I'll be picking up a pair of buckskins to wear around <laughs> since you you didn't give them a ringing endorsement for comfort, but uh, they look sweet. Um, so of the 400 plus events, I, I, I would think we're talking about one of your favorites today, but what would be sure. some of the other big, big events that you really remember or special memories you have from your time? Oh, yeah. So the WVU versus Texas game in Austin uh, was phenomenal. It was, you know, definitely up there at the top of my list. Um, Some other things that might not be as big nationally, but meant a lot to me was the final day of my term. I was able to go home to my hometown of Elkins with our president of our university um, and you go to our high school, go to a couple of local businesses and different things and had a ceremony at city hall and things along those lines. And so that was phenomenal. I'll I'll never forget that. Um, And so I could probably go on and on and on about all the the little, you know, events like that, but the one that would definitely have the most, uh, most notoriety, notoriety nationally would be that, that Texas game. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about it. I mean, what was the feeling? So, you know, trying to get back in that mindset, even though that was only a couple of years ago, West Virginia had national championship hopes, you know, and this is a big game. Um, what was the, the atmosphere like before the game? How were you guys feeling on the sideline? Um, how was, you know, the, the fan base feeling for this game? Yeah, so going back to that time, you're exactly right. We had national big 12 championship national championship type expectations for that season and um you know going into that game everyone knew that it would be you know one of those games that you you circle on the calendar right and texas at that time had been having some success um earlier in the season and so the kind of the stage was set for a really great college football game and a great atmosphere um texas was just getting back to kind of the way they they were back in the day uh the stadium was at 100 percent capacity when we were there and so it was just a really um exciting game and so feeling wise you know going up to it we were all super excited you know obviously a little bit nervous and i can remember being at the center of the field before the game during warm-ups um tossing a football around um with a couple of the, the football managers and just thinking man how did a kid from elkins west virginia get here at this football field and you look up and you know the stadium seats over a hundred thousand people and here i am standing on the longhorn logo in the middle of their stadium looking around saying man this is this is a great opportunity um you know there was absolutely no other no other way in life i would probably ever be able to to do this and uh so for me personally i was just trying to take it all in um and obviously for our players i think they were locked in from the start um 
Um, it was a heck of a game. It went back and forth the entire game. Yeah, for sure. The uh, the it was there was an intensity about the game that was really interesting, um, and kind of the that's the greatness of college football. Did you feel you know the 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 West Virginia players, especially by the end, were like getting in the faces of the the opposing fans, throwing the horns down a lot, all of that. But was there any back and forth? And did this happen in in other games as well between you, the mascot, you know, the Mountaineer, and the fans? Are fans talking smack to you throughout the game? So, uh, you know, I always say the Mountaineer is an easy target, right, for <laughs> opposing fans because we don't have a big fake head on. You can see our face. We can speak. And so ultimately we really are a, a uh, an easy, easy target. And so earlier in that season, we had actually went to Iowa State had got knocked off um and you know we were rolling into it undefeated they beat us and so i the people of iowa state i've met a lot of them they're all really great people but uh in that circumstance they <laughs> did not like me rightfully so probably uh so we heard a lot of things and actually they rushed the the field after they won and so the event staff pulled us all off the field before that well, when they pulled us off the field, we had to walk right in front of their student section. So that was, you know, an experience within itself. But <laughs> as far as the Texas fans go, I can't say enough good things about uh, the, everyone I, who I came in contact with on that trip. I can remember before the game, the Texas band played our alma mater. Um, I can remember uh, a couple people I had met at Big 12 Media Days. My parents came to that game because this game was, you know, one of those destination type type events for, for a lot of people in West Virginia. So my parents came to the game. I met a gentleman at uh, Big 12 Media Days. He hosted my parents. Um, they, you know, got a real authentic perspective of uh, Texas game day. I uh, got some good barbecue and things along those lines. So personally, I can't say a bad thing about about the Texas fans. They, did, they didn't harass me, even though there was ample opportunity to. And you're right, it was a testy game. It was really back and forth. But as we go back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, the responsibility of being the Mountaineer, I think, in, in my opinion at least, was, you know, you might hear something, but I never tried to engage with anybody because ultimately that would just be a negative, negative reflection on the university and on the state of West Virginia. And the way I viewed being the Mountaineer, I didn't want to do anything that would even remotely put me in a position to where I wouldn't bring anything but immense pride to the university. So it does happen, um, but at least for that Texas game, I can't say enough good things mm -hmm. about the hospitality and the way they hosted us. Well, as a, an Oklahoma fan, I don't really like hearing anything that you just said, but um, you know that's 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 good to hear from your perspective. I would imagine as the as a mascot that doesn't have a head on <laughs> that doesn't have a head on that doesn't have a fake head, you do have a real head. Um, right. <laughs> uh, that you know, showing emotions and stuff like that, you know, they, there can't be a picture of you angry or sad or whatever because you know that'll just go around everywhere as look sad mountaineer i mean is that something that you were always conscious of like okay have a you know a happy look on your face even if the team's down 
A thousand percent yes. In the world we live in with social media, I was very aware I am one camera pane away from being a meme for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I tried to do everything I could to prevent that from happening. So I was definitely conscious enough in those moments to, to recognize that and to make sure, like just like you said, that, you know, I always kind of had, you know, I might not be overly happy all the time, you know, if Texas scores a touchdown, but I'm not going to be over in the corner screaming and all mad and things like that that either um so yeah that was definitely cognizant of that during during my term and during that game specifically for sure so obviously will greer goes you know scores the two-point conversion to put you guys up you're going crazy everyone's going crazy and will and the entire team start throwing horns down to the fans the flags come out and this becomes a, a huge thing it was already a big thing before um you know at ou we do it all the time it's a like it's just a joke like we just do it because it's hilarious you know we've been doing it for years but this i feel like was the moment where like everyone else in the big 12 was like this is awesome we should do this more and then you know these rules come out oh you can't do that you'll be whatever flagged i mean what was the reaction like in west virginia i think you you mentioned we were talking earlier that it became a big a big thing on campus is that accurate yeah, and it still is today. Um, <laughs> so happy to hear that. And so, unfortunately, um, we don't have a hands on like most other schools in the Big 12 do. But if we had one over the last few years since this game, it would be the horns down because you still see pictures. People have nothing to do with football, have nothing to do with anything. But if you stick two WVU people uh, in a picture together, horns down is for sure going to be thrown in. It. <laughs> and uh, it was it was hilarious to watch. And now, years later, when it's still happening, you know, those of us who were there who experienced it in a person can only sit back and laugh uh, because of what a, a kind of a cultural phenomenon it really became. And, you know, that game was just absolutely insane because it just seems like you can never catch your breath. Even that last sequence, you know, we drive down, we score the touchdown. Before Will snaps the ball, he's yelling at the ref to get out of the way because the play clock's running down. He snaps the ball. We score the touchdown. We go down. We attempt the first two-point conversion. We get it. Texas calls a timeout right before. So then here we go. I didn't think there was any way we could do it again, right? By that time, they're already kind of expecting it. We run the exact same play in the exact same formation instead of throwing it to David Sills on a slant. Will takes it, cuts around the outside edge, and sneaks in the end zone. And uh, and and kind of the rest is history. It was it's one of those games that you'll never forget. And I'm so grateful that I was able to be part of it in the capacity that I was. <laughs> that was that that ending is crazy. I th- that touchdown pass by Will is one of the best throws I've I've seen. The way he, I mean, it almost looked like a desperation heave, but it was actually just like the perfect throw. Yeah, he wasn't even set. I mean, he, he's stepping into it. He kind of just lobs it up there, but it was uh, as accurate as you could be in that situation. And Gary Jennings, um, you know, makes a catch, gets his foot in bounds. And, and I'll never forget, you know, obviously we go back and watch all of, like that play specifically all the time. It's all always circulating on WVU social media. And, uh, and so you see that and just the look of disbelief in the Texas fans' faces <laughs> when he's standing there staring at them is something I'll never, ever, ever forget. Oh, yeah. I'm watching, watching the highlights again. And what he, he runs right to that stairwell and he's like about 10 feet from these fans and they want to talk smack, but they're like, I can't believe that just happened. 
They don't even know what to say. Like, like wave your hands, like incomplete. But then she like stops. She's like, no, that was a catch. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that just happened. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I, um, Trevor, I really appreciate this. This has been really fun and really different from any of the interviews I've done. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I had no clue I'd be talking to the Mountaineer when I uh, started this series, but uh, this is this is a great ending for the series. West Virginia, I feel like, is a, a team that everyone in the Big 12 is kind of fascinated by because you guys are way out over in, in West Virginia, and many of us have never been there, but definitely a dream location for me is to go to a game in Morgantown. Hey, we'd love to have you here, and, and you have my contact information. So if you do make the trip, let us know, and, and we'll treat you right and enjoy our West Virginia hospitality. And um, you know, we love being in the Big Twelve. We really do. Uh, I, even though geographically we're the outlier, I really feel as if you know there's a lot more that kind of unites us uh, than divides us for sure. And uh, I've enjoyed my time traveling in the Big 12, and, and we love for any Big 12 fan to come to West Virginia. It can be hard to get here sometimes, but once you're here, we can guarantee you'll have a good time. Awesome. That is a great offer. I think I'll probably, if I go, I'll go when you aren't playing OU so I can cheer for West Virginia because the last thing I want is to be against the West Virginia fans. <laughs> there you go. And unfortunately, <laughs> we haven't had much success against OU, so it still might be a good day for you if you did come. <laughs> welcome me anytime. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thanks again to Trevor. That was really, really fun. I, I enjoyed that that interview a lot, and I think it was a great wrap up to our game of the week series that has been so much fun and I've talked to so many interesting people and gotten some great feedback from fan bases all over the country and so that's been really really fun to uh, do the podcast and thanks again to everyone who's helped all of the guests who've shown up on uh, this podcast and to Revtown Jeans the most comfortable jeans in the world I don't know if I've said that or not so I'm glad to wrap it up with the West Virginia Mountaineer to tie up the loose ends on that 2018 season for West Virginia, they this was the peak. Um, the next week they did dominate TCU. Then they lost to Oklahoma State 45-41. to Then they had an absolutely insane game against Oklahoma and lost 59-56 to in Morgantown. So they fell all the way down to the Cheez-It Bowl that they also lost um, to Syracuse. So... They, they did have national championship hopes when they won that game, 42-41 to 41 against Texas. They were 7-1. and one. If they had gone on to beat Oklahoma State and Oklahoma and TCU, they would have, they would have been in the Big 12 championship game and won that. So they had, a little, they had a long way to go, but they were in the picture. And it didn't work out. And now Dana Holgerson is the coach of Houston, and everything is different now. But that was their chance, and that was the peak of – kind of their rise in that in the Big 12 in that era with Will Greer and uh, David Sills and Justin, a lot of these other guys, and Holgerson as the coach. So I wanted to talk about that game mostly for the horns down element and just the, the uh, intensity of it and also just the wild ending. Um, but that was um, probably the best West Virginia win in the Big 12. They have had some great wins over Big 12 teams. Uh, let me think of one. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma. Um, but that was when they weren't in the Big 12. So we weren't going to address that one for numerous reasons. The college football season is coming up. 
And as much as that may not make sense, and as much as we don't know if it's actually going to happen, even still, it's on the schedule. The Big 12's playing, and we're going to talk about it. So the series, the Game of the Week series, was made to get you through the offseason by entertaining you and, and having you look back at some of these great games and fun wins for each of the Big 12 teams. And um, it was made to segue directly into the college football season because um, the way the scheduling works, this was supposed to be week one. It is not, but it is right around the corner. And so we'll talk about that. I'll have a a preview episode of some kind. I've got some things in the works, no promises. Um, so I'm not going to say anything, but, uh, there's some, there's some things that I'm planning. So, uh, just be excited and stick around. Tell your friends about the bed goods, big 12 bullets podcast. We won't be doing as much stuff as far as the newsletter. And as far as the, uh, YouTube channel and the podcast all at the same time, because, um, I need a life, but we'll keep doing the podcast this will be fun. Newsletter will still be around. So we will, uh, we, I, me, Scott, Bedgood, Bedgood's Big 12 Bullets. We're sticking around because we've got a 2020 football season to look forward to. This is the Bedgood's Big 12 Bullets game of the week presented by RevTown. Any questions? Are they just getting ready to Blow sunset on. 